we'll give it a good college effort. Yep. That's all we do. Last time we had to restart, remember that? That was a good time. <laughs> if if it's going bad from the get go, like really bad. <laughs> yeah. Like two minutes in and it's just not flowing. I'm just gonna say we'll, we'll just start it over, okay? Welcome back, everybody, to the R&R CatCast. I'm joined by my fellow coach, Ryan. I, myself, am Ryan. How you doing today, buddy? I am good, Ryan. How are you? <laughs> I'm not bad. I keep thinking back to, like, all the the podcasts we consume. Do you remember the the good old Holden? Yes, Will Holden, Eye in the Sky. He did that uh, the video, like, from the press box. And he analyzed it. <laughs> yeah, he was like the OG podcaster. He always had this uh, good like welcome on. He's like, he'd play his like Dr. Dre music, and he would say, "What's good, everybody? I'm Will." That's Holden. right. He <laughs> kind of like took the took it to the next level. We didn't have we just had kind of <laughs> basic the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, and that was about it. But he he kind of I think he started the Blue and Gold blog or something like that, and he kind of started the whole where we got to now. Oh yeah, Colder. he set the, he set the precedent, but you know, I'm more more or less, I was thinking like how he started his podcast with his little tagline <laughs> there. I mean, if you listen to uh, to tell a new on is uh, Gus comes in or his name is Ryan too, comes in with you know, what's up Missoula, and then you know listen to the Bobcat breakdown with uh, Coulter. He welcome back everybody to the Bobcat breakdown. This is Coulter New Honest. <laughs> you know? Well, you gotta, you're the intro. You gotta get some sort of catchphrase. I know. I got, I got to get that down. I got to get that down. So I was thinking about that earlier this week on a, on a run I was having. I was like, I, I have nothing yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. What are you drinking tonight, Ryan? Tonight I have chosen the Boundary Bay Scotch Ale. Where's that out of? Uh, Boundary Bay is up in Bellingham, Washington. It's a nice scotch, nice got a nice good flavor to it. Not too, not too bitter. Nice and smooth. You like those scotch ales? I do. If if I I could get myself cold smoke out here, I'd be a happy man. But I cannot. I hear we're going to be distributing uh, cold smoke over here in Spokane soon. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm myself. I'm drinking a Citra Hop Pale Ale. I'm out of uh, Parachute Brewing again. Second week I've gone with them. Mainly because uh, when I go uh, on Sundays, they have cheap growler fills, and, and it's kind of my <laughs> stop to kind of clear my mind on Sunday night. Maybe do a little research for the show and whatnot. So, well, we might need a couple of them here. It's our first time doing this after a loss. <laughs> well, tell me about that loss. What do you got back there? Well, it wasn't real pretty. Tell you that much. Um, <laughs> we started off pretty hot. Uh, I think we had like 140 yards on the first two two possessions, and then it just kind of went downhill from there. I don't think we managed – I don't remember the entire total yards. I don't have it right here in front of me, but um, I don't even think we got to the 400 mark. <laughs> it, it was not a good start for us, or a good finish, I should say. There. Between the quarters two, we didn't score all the way from the middle of the first quarter all the way to the middle of the fourth quarter, so almost three quarters of football without it. Any points isn't going to win very many football games. You know, that was extremely frustrating as a fan to watch. Nope. And kind of the same story as last year. Uh, I think we did a little bit better do- job on third down de- defense. That was what killed us last year in Cheney, but I think they were still 8 of 17 on third down, so that's 
that's a pretty good percentage, getting close to 50%. It's not bad. We were just four for 11, so that was a, another frustrating day for us. Well, yeah, 260 yards, that's what we ended up with, 360 to 490 for Eastern. I mean, really? It, was, it wasn't that bad, as the stats might indicate, but we had a lot of opportunities we, that we just botched. You know, I was looking at the stats yesterday, and it was remarkably similar. It, um, it is. I mean, you're looking at uh, first downs. I can't tell if that's at four to – or a four it's a four. A yeah, 24. It's 24. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> 24 to 22 Eastern to MSU. Um, you know, third downs, uh, we were, uh, the Eagles were eight for 17. We were four for 11. Time of possession, not even a minute off, uh, both around the 30. Um, even uh, penalties, you're looking at Eastern at uh, with nine of 84 yards. Um, mm-hmm. With us, eight for 69 with three personal fouls. And so if you're looking yeah. at just stats alone, uh, they double us up in points, but everything else is about equal. Yeah. In fact, we actually had more average per attempt and per completion for passing stats <laughs> <laughs> than Gage Gubrud. And he didn't even throw a, a passing touchdown. First time that's happened this year. and hasn't happened since the middle of last year, if I heard that correctly. So I think the defense did enough to give us a ch- chance to win. Um Obviously, would have liked to have seen a better performance out of them. We uh, could not get anywhere near a gauge. No sacks on the day. Hardly even any hurries. The few times we did the pocket collapse, he just ran up the middle and did his thing. So let me ask you a question. Do you think, do you think that's – I mean, sacks are always great. Like, we want sacks, no doubt. But I think maybe not getting sacks on, on Gubrud is probably – or just containing him is a better – game plan than trying to get after him because like you said uh if if you try to get after him you open up a gap you know he's so savvy he's just going to step up there and and then you know if if we're doing max cover we're just you know you know following those receivers downfield he's just going to step up for 10 10 11 12 yards at a time right there and you're right and that actually i remember listening up to the game that was kind of the plan is they didn't really want to go pin their ears back against him because that's what it'll do so it's more of a try and collapse the pocket, but not necessarily get to him. I think is kind of what I heard uh, maybe on the Bobcat round table. I don't remember where I heard that, but uh, that was kind of the game plan. And that's kind of what it looked like. He's, he's it's still, you just wish you could send four guys and get to him, but he's just the guy that you can't. How tired are you of Eastern quarterbacks? <laughs> well, Jesus started back with the, that Blankenship kid way back. And then it just kind of rolled from there. Then it was Eric Meyer, I think, was the first real national prominence guy. And just keep coming. Gosh, yeah. It's, it, What's the order? It was Eric Meyer. Was it, I think was they it had Matt, a, Matt Nichols yeah. next. And then it was Bo Levi Mitchell. <laughs> Jeez. They just keep them coming. They keep Roll the receivers the, coming, too. Yeah, Vernon Adams. And then. Yeah, Vernon. Yeah, Vernon. How could I forget Vernon Adams? Gosh, yeah. So. And then it's and then it was uh, Jordan West for a little bit. I think it was kind of the transition, and then Gage came and took the job from him, and that was the end of that. They had that one year where they had didn't have the best quarterback in the conference, like one year. When's it going to end, Thorny? <laughs> I wish. Well, I, knew. I wish I knew. Maybe with Baldwin gone, they might not have as good a luck recruiting this 
Uh, probably not, though. Who am I kidding? Yeah. I, you know, I really like their head coach, Aaron Best. I think he's a good step in for Baldwin. Baldwin just had all the moxie in the world. Man, I was as much as I hated playing against Eastern, I was always just so envious of how that man just galvanized his teams. And uh, when, when, he, when he left, uh, I remember tweeting some guys over here in Spokane who are Eastern, and they were just devastated. And, you know, I'm just reveling in it. But Aaron Best, you know, I don't think he's he's missed a step. If anything, I think he provides a little bit more balance as he emphasized a little bit more of the run game. And when you listen to Best talk, I don't know, I think he, he was talking to Coulter. I think it was the Big Sky Breakdown last last week. They were emphasize they emphasized more of the RPOs with balance. You know, if you if your team is running the RPOs, in Brooks, I thought did a great job at breaking the RPO kind of terminology down, but you basically have to have a balance between run and the pass and <laughs> the option. So if you're not doing one of the other, the run or the pass, you're not really running an RPO. And uh, I just think Aaron uh, has done a really good job with Eastern and just kind of um, moving well, them forward in that. Yeah, he realized he's got like arguably two of the top four or five running backs on his team. Why would you not be using them? And it also seems like he – is trying to emphasize a little bit more of the defense. Like they've always had a like really good players, but never like a good whole unit. And it seems like they might have one of the better units they've had as a whole in a while on defense. And we saw that firsthand because they wrecked our offensive line. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What did uh, Troy Anderson take like three sacks? It took three sacks. And I want to say they were all in the first half. Man. So I mean, they just and they weren't even really rushing. They were rush. They'd drop back and they'd rush three guys. And that number ninety nine would just. He, I, there was one where he just plowed right through a double team, just, just wedged right between them, and just took down Troy. I mean, it was <laughs> our old. That was the worst I think our O line performance has had in a while, which is kind of surprising. They they've been kind of up and down this year. Everyone was hearing about how good they'd be one of the best in the conference and to come out against Western Illinois and hold their own, but they don't really dominate, at least not until maybe later in the game. And then South Dakota State just destroys everybody. That was just like the throwout game. We don't even talk about that game. And then they kind of come back to life in the last, you know, against Wagner and Portland State. But here we are again with a team that's much, much better than those other teams, and they they just got eaten up again. And I, it's kind of disappointing because it really, for what we want to do, if your offensive line can't run block, you're not going to win any football games, like none. Well, what you know what I was seeing, Thorny, was a team, and I called it last week, and I'm going to toot my own horn on this. They figured out how to stop Troy Anderson. First, they stop um, the inside zone play with Infonse. Yep. When they got that bottled up, you know what? We're not going to be able to run the ball. Um, Troy, uh, they're going to drop down their safeties. Uh, at one point, I'm sitting there watching the game. I'm like, they're 10 yards off the ball. Uh, they're playing man on the outside. Uh, they're stuffing the box. It's easy defense. <laughs> you know, there's no threat of a run. And this goes back to what Cho- Choate was saying last week on the the, new, the nuance of modern modern day football accounting for the quarterback as a runner. Right. And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, okay, but if you don't pass the ball, 
<laughs> the defensive numbers, they have an advantage now. They have a net more on players who they can focus on, who's going to play the run. And it's exactly what uh, Eastern Washington did to this. They negated Troy Anderson on the run game. They negated Fonse on the run game. And we weren't going to beat them uh, with the pass. Well, you got to like how we came out of the gates, though. First play, just bomb from Anderson to Travis Johnson. I would not have bet money on that in 100 years. I didn't see that play. I was uh, I was out of the room at that point. So, Oh, um, yeah, the first play of the game, Anderson just drops back. I don't know if it was a play action. I can't remember, but he just sits there just waiting for the play to develop in the pocket, looking like a quarterback, just chucks one downfield. Kind of a, a wobbler if he would have put maybe three or four more yards under it. It's a touchdown, but either way, it's an easy completion for a 50-yard gain or whatever. And then the very next play, Anderson to the right, plows through a bunch of people and touchdown. I think that was our longest run of the game, too, a 25-yard scamper, if I if I remember right. So, yeah, I mean, that's where I'm like a team like Eastern. I I see the point of wanting to get the ball in the second half. You want the crowd rowdy um, because if they come out and they get the ball in the second half, there's nobody in the stands in the second half. So it's, you know, they come out at halftime, they're not going to have to deal with the crowd. But team like Eastern, I just think you got to come out and you got to punch them in the mouth. And that's where I don't like to see us kick the ball off to defer. Because if imagine that if we come out, that was how the game started seven to zero, two plays, a score. You think that sets a bit of a different tone than having Eastern get the ball, march right down the field and score a touchdown? Yeah. I don't know. That's I agree with that a vast majority of the time, but not like not with Eastern. But it started off about as good as you could all the way up until the uh did you see that that pitch from Troy to Enfonse? <laughs> I did not see. I missed about the I missed the first scoring drive and maybe the second the second drive too and then... Oh, so you missed like our entire offense. <laughs> <laughs> you missed all the offensive yeah. firepower we had. Yeah, pretty much. It was, yeah. I mean, it was kind of a blown up play anyway. Even if Fonze would have caught it, but it would have been a four yard loss. But yeah, Troy just like rocketed this pitch <laughs> like way, way harder than you should ever throw a pitch, and it was so fast. I Fonze couldn't even get his hands up, and it hit him right in the face and just bounced backwards. <laughs> I only laugh so I don't cry, but <laughs> it was not a good-looking pitch. And But even at that point, you'd move the ball down well. Yeah, we, that was a bad play, but it seems like we can never really recover from that mistake. There you go. So there's the rub. You can never recover from that mistake. That seems to be – that kind of phrase captures the rest of the game for me. Anytime we gain some momentum uh, – we negated it by a silly play. Uh, I, I wrote down two big plays. One was uh, the McCutcheon drop. Yeah. You know, 7-0-1, second, second, um, second quarter series right after uh, Munchie gets his pick. We have all the momentum. <laughs> it was, yeah, because that – when Thomas got ejected – like Jock Way just took that upon himself. Like the very next play was over the middle and he just drilled an Eastern defender. And I think he was down for a little bit, like a nice clean hit. And then there may have been one more play and then it was the interception. So like, it's like the team was playing for uh, Tyrell getting ejected and then we get the ball back and then a nice, well, I'm not going to say that was a nice pass, but it was a catchable pass to McCutcheon 
And that's a catchable ball. You got to make that catch. Oh, absolutely. Hit him right in hand. Uh, Troy Anderson underthrew him, uh, allowed Ben Cutchin to come back to the ball, which probably was for the best at that point. He looked like he had a sure catch. And then I think the defensive back broke it up. He did, but he I mean, he poked a hand in there. Like, you you still should have secured that. There's no way you let that little jab take that out. You know, at that point, we're, we're down 17-10. That would have put us – we would have got at least three. You, you would know? imagine we'd get at least three out of that. At least three. That changes the whole dynamic. Then we go off and, uh, you know, we punt the ball away, uh, you know, squander all opportunities from there. Fast forward to – Well, they scored a touchdown on that ensuing drive. Yeah, the, you're right. It was they a scored a touchdown. So that's a swing. That is a big swing of points instantly. Like it goes from getting the ball pretty far into their territory, then we end up punting the ball, and they run right down the field and score a touchdown. And all of a sudden, instead of possibly 13-17, to 17, or if we get a touchdown, 17-17, all of a sudden it's, what, 24-10? to 10? Yeah. So it's uh, quite a bit of difference. Not only did they score a touchdown, they scored a touchdown. I believe that drive took them about three or four plays because they had two big – uh, two big runs, mm-hmm. and then we had the push out of bounds, which resulted in um, that's right, yeah, in a the personal foul. Tyrone's little little love tap that crashed <laughs> into those the uh, advertisement things. Gosh, so it's just frustrating as a fan because we're seeing there once again uh, story of a life of a Bobcat fan. Big game comes along, and we just don't show up. So. Well, yeah, let's keep – I want to keep talking about that because it – oh, hold on. Sorry. You there? Yeah, I'm good. All right. My bad. Okay, so um, what was the score? Do you remember what the score was when um, Jacques almost made the interception? So, yeah, that was in the third. Um, I believe it was 27-10. Uh, we were at, the, I believe, the 48 of Eastern. And if he would have picks, he picks that off. Uh, I believe he probably goes out of bounds right there. He does, uh, unless unless he has some remarkable skills and he can tiptoe in line, and then maybe he beats a couple guys for you know a game. But regardless, just just to tell the tape, you get another opportunity to make a game changing play, and mm-hmm. you don't. And guess what it does? It goes for twenty two yards for a first down. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, do they? I think they score a touchdown on that drive too. Or maybe that one's in as a field goal, but regardless, it's a chance to bring it back to stem the tide, and it like just bobbles through his hands, and the receiver makes a great catch as they usually do over there, and that's it's just it's frustrating to see so many opportunities squandered. We had chances to win this game, or at least the way because I mean, Chope says it time and time again. He wants to drag him into the deep water in the fourth quarter. And you can't do that if you get down by three scores. We had every chance to keep this within a one-score game into the third, into the fourth quarter, and then have a chance to get that game-tying, game-winning points. But we couldn't capitalize on anything. Yeah. And that's – I'm afraid that's just becoming who we are. It's been – that's who we've like, been for a long time, Tori. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not becoming who we are. That's no, it's, we, it's not even a choke <laughs> thing. That seems to be just a. That's been for a while now. And honestly, if, like if how many hallmark honest, victories were there were were there in the Ash era? We always beat the teams we should have, 
sometimes we beat the teams we're even with and we get slaughtered by the teams that are better than us. <laughs> Chilk called this game an arrival moment, he said, and goes on to quote him a little bit later. He said, we clearly did not measure up in a way that was going to allow us to win the game. I'm tired of that. <laughs> Show up. Yeah. Show up, Montana State. Show up, Jeff Choate. Get the kids ready. Um, I'm not, you know, you know, the thing that's really nice about when you listen to Choate, I did get to listen to the pressure finally. Choate doesn't make excuses, you know, um, and he's, he doesn't, I think Choate has a really good mindset when it comes to losses. I think he looks at this and I see a man who takes these like setbacks as opportunities to motivate his team. Um, and when you really look at that, that's really what to, like I like to call, and not just me, but I mean, it's called like a growth mindset. And that's so powerful for a coach to have that kind of mindset um, and doesn't take the loss like as an indictment on himself or his character. Uh, I just, I feel that's refreshing, but at, you know, I want to see uh, improvements. And I think where I came away from this really disappointed was we were closer last year. And maybe it's because we had, you know, at last year's game, uh, I was I was there in uh, Cheney watching it. We had some things go our way at the very end of the game, but we were in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were never, we were really never in this no. except in the first quarter. First quarter, and, yeah. You know, and we, our our defense again showed up in the second half. We allowed ten points. We allowed three points in the third, seven in the fourth, and that's been the tail tape of. Uh, the whole our defense, but man, like it's just failed opportunity after failed opportunity. And as a cat fan, I'm so tired of it. Well, it's funny. Yeah, I agree. But it's funny that you say that last touchdown, that was because they scored on the very next possession after we missed the field goal. And the reason we had to kick the field goal is because we got called for a chop block on that sweet trick play that worked out as good as you could possibly draw it up. But Tyler Natey just kind of just kind of just goes sideways into a guy's hip, and they call a chop block on that. And yeah. uh, we we can't move the ball anymore. We missed a field goal. And I think that's when Sam McPherson has his like sixty yard touchdown run that ices it for sure. Missed opportunities. Uh, the name of the game when we're playing big games, right? And we recover an onside kick that we went offsides on. <laughs> It was like the best executed onside kick you can have for Eastern inexplicably was not up at the line. They didn't have their hands team. I don't know what they were thinking, but uh, Bailey just kicks it like 12 yards and gets his own kick. <laughs> oh, man. And it, I think Colter said it was Callahan O'Reilly. That was like just a half a step off. I'm like, come oh, on. I don't think it was O'Reilly. I think it was the guy out of modern day, Sal Aguilar. So, I mean, it doesn't even matter who it is. The point is, yeah, it's just like, come on. It's like, we can't even get that one little thing. That that didn't even have any impact on the outcome of the play, and we still can't get it right. You know, another thing I'm going to – I was diving into a little bit more deeply into this game. and A thing that uh, stood out to me as maybe something that had a big impact on the game, and it, it, it comes out when you're just watching it, was field position. 
There, uh, let me give you a little uh, stat. We had we both punted four times, which you know, applause. We make Eastern punt the ball as soon as we as soon as we get a punt against Eastern. I'm always, you know, the confetti yeah. drops in my head after I think it was 2015, right? When they, they, didn't they punt don't. once. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> right. So I think every every true cap fan does a little. Whew, we made a punt kind of mm-hmm. deal. Um, so Pavis goes four punts, averages of 35 yards. 35.5 yards. Um, their uh, senior puncher, Alco, uh, I'm going to slaughter his name. We'll just call him Alco Bindis, whatever. 46.8, averaging about 15 more yards, or excuse me, about 10 more yards than our punter. Uh, he was a difference. He was a huge difference for Eastern. I mean, that guy had a leg and a half on him. It was true. And, uh, Eastern played Padmos's bounces pretty well. Like they, even if he like they caught it, even if they know they're going to get crushed, which saved the ball from running to ten or fifteen more yards. So kudos to those guys. Yeah, they were playing with fire there for a little bit, man. I thought one of those was just going to. At one point, we were going to catch a break there, but of course, we didn't. Nope, no turnovers, no sacks, no game-changing plays. Yeah. It's kind of boring, right? You know, but Eastern does have 28 seniors. Montana State's only fielding seven. That's a huge difference. Uh, man, Eastern just knows how to win. You know, they, they do. Just, they just know how to win. They dropped countless passes, too. And that's, the part, <laughs> that's the part that's – and apparently their offensive game plan is to just to hold on every single play and hopefully it averages out in their favor. I don't like to complain about rest, but there was, there was holding every single play. <laughs> uh, Sturk's jersey was just being tugged all day long and I feel like they made up for all the calls in the last drive and the game took 20 more minutes than it should have yeah but yeah that I mean I don't know go off on that one I'm not going to go in there but it just seems like everything went their way <laughs> you, but yeah they're a good team and they can overcome that kind of stuff they can, over, they, they can get a holding penalty and then still come back and convert on third down anyway <laughs> and that's that's the difference. Like one, a penalty just completely kills our offense, and we did not play anywhere near disciplined enough to be able to over, overcome any of the things that we did, any of the mistakes we made. So, Ryan, what do you think about our offense? Tell me, tell me, tell me your thoughts now on uh, Troy Anderson running our quarterback situation back there. I will say that that's the best I've seen him look as a passing quarterback. Um, not that that's saying a whole lot, but he made some plays that looked like a quarterback was running the show back there. There was the one where he was rolling out to the right, kept his eyes downfield, and hit like I think it was Willie Patterson streaking across right at the sideline, got his feet in bounds. I mean, that's a play that we didn't have all year from him. And I know you're going to say that that was against a prevent defense, but practice is practice that's how you get better you make those throws even if even if they're not uh up in your face like that's still improvement for troy that being said i just i don't know buy or sell last week i was buying i don't know what i'm doing this week (laughs) you still don't you still can't pull the trigger on the sell huh i can't sell them yet i like i'm losing faith in you man this is uh, clearly an unsustainable offense. 
Well, that I'm not going to argue with, unfortunately. I just the thing is that I don't know. The backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town. I'm not entirely sure Rovig can sustain what he did against Wagner either. He he might throw five interceptions. He seems like a guy who would be able to throw five interceptions. Whereas yep. Troy, Troy is gonna he forced that last one because it was desperation mode, but he's gonna turn the ball ball over maybe once every couple games or once a game at most. I feel like Rovig's capable of uh, fumbling and throwing a couple interceptions all at the same time. So I. It's not so much that I love Troy. It's that I, I might have to agree with the fact that he might be the best option still. I don't know if Rovig is ready. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on that. But like, just we should out. have been getting him ready. I will argue with that because, oh, man, like this game, another game we probably would have lost regardless, um, like the South Dakota State game. But can you imagine if Rovig had played the entire South Dakota State game, Wagner beaten Portland State, Eastern Washington going into a bye week, ready for Idaho with like what four games under his belt now and a bye week? Doesn't that sound way more enticing than what we've been seeing? Well, we're doing a disservice to our offense running both those quarterbacks out and just, I mean. What what infuriated me was okay. So Rovig comes in. I can't remember if it's second quarter or third quarter. He plays for a series, right? I think it was the third quarter. Okay, so he plays for a series. He moves the ball a little bit, and then we get into a third and four. And guess what happens? They pull <laughs> Rovig, and Troy comes on. Well, you know, take a guess what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, we're we're not going to pass at that option. And so I remember seeing uh, Rovig. He comes out, and they pan to him on the on the sideline. And he takes off his helmet, and he just looks like – he just looks pissed off, honestly. I'm like, I get it, dude. Like, I would be pissed off, too. They're not doing you any favors. They're making the most predictable uh, offensive call. I mean, when my wife can sit there and tell you, oh, they're going to run it right now. I mean, we're... <laughs> I mean you could have at least – for that. <laughs> I have you no You could words. have at least left Rovig in the game and have Anderson come in at quarterback – or running back, and you could at least – possibly do a play-action rollout or something because everyone thinks it's going to go to Troy. Instead, you bring in Troy, and yeah, it's going to Troy. <laughs> when Troy's taking the ball, he's on third and four, he's keeping it. So here's my thought on the Troy anderson Tuckerovig. I'm still – I still think – I'm no with Troy Anderson. Just no. Stop playing the Matt quarterback. His interceptions were just ugly. <laughs> yeah, they were. I mean, his deep balls were like, is he trying to make it rain or something? Because it's just – and sorry, Troy, if you're listening to this, but I'm sure you you recognize yourself that throwing those deep balls, it's, they were just ugly deep balls. They were so underthrown every time. Well, I still I don't, don't know. even know. Honestly, I don't know who that last interception was to. Okay, exactly. And so to listen to Choate on the uh, Bobcat Roundtable with Jay, you know, he throws a nice deep ball. You know, bull crap, Choate. Like, get your head out of the sand there for a moment. Tuckerovig at least presents the opportunity to have a balanced attack. And if, you know, you, you got to play defense all levels of the field when Tuckerovig's out there. With Troy, not so much. I mean, if play man, you know, if you get burned, you get burned. But most of the time, well, he's we're not we're not a balanced offense when he's out there. So. I'd rather have it the other way around. Actually, now that I, you know you you want Rovig to be in there, 
And then because we had success when Troy in the beginning of the game, we were, we were running with tempo. It's when we kind of stopped and went into the huddle that we had a lot harder time moving the ball. I think Troy just needs to keep going. He needs to get up to the line, as Coulter says, like visibly out of breath. Like that's just kind of how he, he does things. Like you need to keep the tempo going, keep the defense on their heels and let the six three two thirty guy just crash into people, you know, get him, get the defense on their heels. And when we went to that, we changed it up to the huddle. He tried to make him more of a traditional offense. I don't know. It just, that's where things kind of went stagnant. And I feel like if you're going to have Anderson out there, you got to have tempo. And I don't know if he can do that for a whole game, but we just saw that he can't not do it a whole game. He can't do the huddle the whole game. You know, for our calf fans out there who've been watching uh, Montana State football for a long time, um, it always seems like it's one thing. Uh, in the Ash era, it's our defense. <laughs> uh, you know, it's all, we're always missing one thing. We're missing our offense right now. I think our defense is solid enough. We could be, we could be four and one right now. Uh, I don't think we could be five and zero. Oh. I think we are going to lose at least one of these games. I think where where we're at, uh, three and two going into these last six games is probably where I would pencil us in. But man, if we had a sustainable offense, at least an identity on offense, I still don't think we have an identity, and that's what makes me really just mad the most is we don't have consistency on it in anything. And here's where that comes into play, Thorny, in, uh, is we're not practicing the plays that we're getting better at uh, to get us wins later on down the road. I feel like we're just sprinkling, well, let's see if this works, let's see if this works. And then we get gimmicky when we get into these situations. Uh, it just doesn't seem like we can rely on a set plays that even if they know that's coming, I mean, besides the, the Troy Anderson run that we're just practicing on a game basis where we're just solidifying. So when we get to those positions, we can fall back. We can trust those. We have guys that can make those plays. No, like all the teams, they have a core set of plays that when they need that first down, they know it's going to work. We don't have anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, ours is give Troy the ball and and uh, hopefully he can. I mean, that's all we did with Murray too, though. I mean, that was right. the whole Murray offense. Uh, somebody on the board said it. I think kind of best, like with Murray, you always felt like he was running for his life. With Anderson, it's just you know which way he's going. I don't know which one's better or worse, but that was kind of a that's kind of a good observation. So, but yeah, I, the the point is we still don't know exactly who we are. I feel like we got a little bit closer. We just couldn't execute against a defense that really just overwhelmed us on all levels. They ate us up on the offensive line, and their linebackers had enough speed that when Troy broke the pocket, they were just ready for him. They were spying him. They were blitzing him on the, on the sides, and they just got to him. And, uh, yeah, like you said, became kind of predictable. So I'm just not sure what we're going to do moving forward. What would you – work on in the bye week would you just keep honing Troy I think you would obviously get Rovig up to game speed well I do two things one I would solidify um, who's calling the plays we got two guys calling the plays right now we got Brian Armstrong calling the running plays Bob call Bob Cole calling the passing plays they're both up in the booth from what I understand 
we need uh, one guy. I don't know what kind of synergy Armstrong and Cole have, but I can't imagine it's better than one. And I think having two eyes up there is good, but one guy needs to be calling the place. Two, I'm starting Tucker Rovig. I don't care if he can't run. I think he can. I think he can scramble just fine. He's not going to be as fast as Troy Anderson, but he presents uh, a more balanced option for us. And we just need to get his confidence. We need to just say to our receivers, our rule line, our whole offense, this is what we're doing. And Troy, in the offense that we're running with Troy Anderson as our quarterback is, n- is not going to win us the games we want to win. It just it proved it. Like, look at, look at this this week. It didn't work out. And it's not, that's not a fluke. They had a good answer for him everywhere we went. It, that's just the game tapes out there, man. That's how you stop us. So pretty easy to dial it up if we're going with the same offense from here on out. So that's what I would work on. Getting uh, Tucker Rovig into your rhythm, uh, defining roles, and uh, having hopefully one guy calling their offense from here on out. Well, that's interesting. I had, I had actually not heard that they were kind of splitting the duties there. Who do you think? If who do you think should be calling it? I'm curious. Well, I it's, hard, been... it's hard to tell from a limited, <laughs> limited, and that's a hard question, and you don't really have to give an answer. And I'm just kind of curious if you have a if you're leaning one way or the other. Uh, man, we looked so balanced in the Wagner game. Granted, okay, so it's Wagner, but I don't care. The play calling was great. It was. Whatever we did on that, if it was both those guys, then fine, go back to that. But that's the kind of game I want to see. Um, I'm tired of seeing the Chris Murray offense. And then this is this all goes back to the fact that Tyler Brugman didn't fulfill his role. I mean, think back, think back this, Thorny. Go back to the very first game of the Choate era. We were playing Idaho, right? Uh, we listened to that, watched that first, that first drive. I mean, Brugman's calculated, dialed in, play callings calculated, dialed in, dialed in, Messingham's calling these calls. And then from there, <laughs> the arc of where our offense is now has taken this path of uh, just so disappointing. It's, just yeah, it's so just kind of like, disappointing. how did we get here? It's like, it's such a weird offense, and it's not – that I hate it. It's just like that's just no one else is doing it for a reason. I hate it. I'll I'll own that. I just absolutely despise our offense. And it's just again, it's one thing we can't get going. Okay, we got special teams. We got defense that's solid. Okay, so now it's the offense. It's just different than the the ash the ash era, right? So it's just the opposite of that. So get a little bit frustrated with it. No, I, I know you do, and I. <laughs> I don't. I I just go back and forth on it. To be honest with you, like I could see Troy keep improving every game, and by the last few games, he's looking pretty good. And he's harder to stop. He's making a lot better throws. I could also see it exactly the same. Defense is dialed up. He can't complete the plays to take the edge off, and then we just get stuffed all game long. And that's you just can't keep sending Rove again every now and again. I mean. Rovig was the man. Troy is a team player, but he's the man too. Like those quarterbacks don't like to share. I mean, that's like one of the positions in any sport on the entire planet where you're the dude, you're the guy. You want it. You want the ball. You don't want to be coming in here and there. You just can't get in the flow. You can't command the offense. You can't assert yourself. 
So it's got to be frustrating just to be rotated in like you're a, like you're a cornerback, like you're a nickelback. Yeah. Well, uh, at the end of the day, we lost to a number three team in the nation and, or excuse me, number five team in the nation. And I think that's about, uh, it's about right, uh, honestly. So I'm kind of ready to wash my hands of Eastern and kind of move on. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what would come out after the bye week. I know we probably won't hear anything the entire time. Um, I'd be – I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other at this point. Ah, I still don't know if I can sell Troy. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can do it. I'm going to have to – I think I'm, if you're going to make me, I would have to sell him at this point, though. I'm going to have to say I think we can beat Idaho with Rovig. Idaho's next game, right? Yeah, I think we can beat Idaho. They played a tough game against Portland State, but I think we can beat Idaho at home with Rovig. I don't think we beat Weber with Rovig, or I mean with uh, Troy, because that's just more of the same. That's going to be just Troy getting just beat up, our offensive line getting beat up. We're going to have to have some sort of passing game against Weber. For sure. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it happens. Uh Got to get the penalties under control. Got to get get some tackling drills because our tackling wasn't all that stellar either. And I still think we're a team that could possibly end up uh, looking at the playoffs, at least one of the first five out, as they say. But uh, I think we still have a shot to be in it at the end here. We just got to figure out what we're doing on offense. No doubt. I think so, too. I think Choke had a really good comment in his presser today about how, uh, you know, he was talking about how, how much better can Eastern seniors get in the next six games. And well, he said to juxtapose that, how much better can our uh, freshmen and sophomores get in the next six games? And he's like, I like our chances there. And I, I do believe him on that. Um, where I really want to believe him is his offensive identity. Uh, it, just being able to step back and see that, and it's just not working. Like, it's just not it's just not working. So we gotta make some sort of commitment to something that that does work. So. Yeah, I hope the I hope Choate um this isn't his Jamie Marshall. <laughs> his this inability or his stubbornness to switch away from the offense, to not change things up, just to keep doing the same thing. That better not be his Jamie Marshall because I, I I see it on the board. I see it all the time. Or I've seen it around where uh, they're talking about, you know, people, not, no one's really calling for Choate to be fired, but um, I think he gets another year, even if we don't make the playoffs, because people are tired of this being, oh, we're just a young team. We're just a young team. But, you know, we are. Um, you, should, you can still win football games as a young team. But I think five and six still gets him one more year. Um, to really show the improvement because we'll have a lot of core guys next year at the worst case. But I still think this year is a year that we can still have a 7-4, possibly 8-3 record. Absolutely. I still believe in Choate, but uh, he's got to figure his offense out. He's, he's got to. He can't keep sprinkling in things and hoping they work. Cause that, that's how you put it, right? That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Buy or sell. Thorny, I got a couple things I want to ask you as we kind of wrap this thing up over here. Buy or sell the bye week? Mm, I'm buying it right now. 
<laughs> if, if I'm understanding your question correctly, uh, this is a great time for a bye week. <laughs> well, buy in general, the bye week, buy or sell as a fan. Oh, um, you know, I like bye weeks. I do. Gives you a chance to, you know, plan around it. You know, do do some do some shopping. Go out of town. You know, you got to do something else besides football, right? Where do you shop, Thorny? Do you are you a shopper? No, I don't know what I'm talking about. Shopping. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> right. I was like, when you said that, I was like thinking, like seriously, I don't know about that, man. I don't know. Costco. How about like let's throw a little fishing ship? Yeah, or, yeah. Home, there you go. You know, Home Costco. Depot. You know, if there's time. A little Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> bed Bath and Beyond, way beyond. All right, uh, let me give you another buy or sell. I had written down buy or sell superstitions. Buying. Oh, I was going to ask you about a superstition. Oh, I know what it is. We were we were on two game winning streak until we started this podcast. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't funny. hear that, man. It's funny you that. say that because I, I was like, I was thinking about that today. It's like owner. Superstition. We were doing pretty good until we started a podcast. Now we're uh, we're zero and one since R and R came out. Oh. How about you? Buy or sell? Superstition. Oh, totally buy. Uh, I wish I wasn't, but you know it goes down to what shirt I was wearing. Uh, if I was wearing my Bobcat boxers, what what Bobcat hat I had on. It, you know, if I wasn't wearing any Bobcat gear, like I don't know. It's. <laughs> It's it's bad for me, man. I actually had to retire a pair of socks because I have a Bobcat <laughs> pair of socks, and we lost every single time I wore them. So they don't they're in the drawer forever now. Just uh, throwing it out there. Well, there you go. So you and me both. both. <laughs> I'm superstitious. Another thing I want to ask you who who should be our first guest on the R and R podcast or Catcast? Excuse me. We got to get the mysterious Vim on here, don't we? You know, I was thinking about Vim. I was thinking about how good old Matt Brownlow. He does this little thing called Big Cat's Little Trucks. Oh, yeah. That cat would be fun to have on. So maybe you could, if he's listening, uh, you can get a hold of us. We have a Twitter account. What we is do. That? What is that Twitter account? RR Catcast. I made it myself. There you go. So <laughs> you can reach out to us at RR Catcast. You can, you can talk to us on... Yep. Uh, Bobcat Nation, uh, they've graciously have allowed us to create a thread to update our uh, cat cast. Uh, we had, gosh, man, Thorny, I was just blown away with how, how many nice things people said to us this week, uh, encouraging comments and just the amount of listens we got. It was, yeah. I was blown away. Not so. too bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good start. And uh, yeah, we would love to. Yeah. We, we got to get some guests somehow. Board members. We can work our way up to, uh, you know, actual people affiliated with the program. <laughs> For sure. If you'd like to, I'll just say this. If you'd like to come on the CatCast and talk with us, uh, send uh, either Ryan or me a mm-hmm. private message. Um, uh, don't mind if you know who I am. I'm Common Cat on, on the Bobcat Nation. So you can email me or private message me or just get a hold of us through um, the R&R CatCast at at Twitter, so yeah, tweet us. Yeah, please do. Do you want to disclose your uh, your username? Well, I'm pretty sure I posted the whole thread starting this, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am Celtic Cat, yes. <laughs> All right, bud. Any last thoughts before we wrap this thing up? 
No, that's – we said pretty much all I wanted to say. It's a loss. Time to move on. Next game. Yeah, sucks, Next game, yeah. bye week. Undefeated. <laughs> Against well, by, against by. <laughs> here's to, here's to the cats taking the next step, man. I just, you know, once I get, can't say once in my life because that's a stupid thing to say, but man, I just want to, I just want, I want to start winning the games and just be like feared throughout the big sky. You know, I feel like, I don't feel like we have that fear from other teams. I feel like we have the respect, but I don't feel like, man, you know, Montana State's coming to town. Let's, let's, no. No, we had that three-year stretch, the Ash years, where I think we won like 30 conference games in like three years or whatever. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it's been pretty, pretty. yeah, yeah. We can beat a lot of teams, but no one's really been afraid of us. So, yeah, here's to that. Here's to any, the next step. Any last thoughts you'd like to send to Choate, just so if Choate was listening? Anything no. you would say to Choate if Choate was – if you were looking him right in the eye right now? <laughs> Nope, I don't think I'd say anything to Choate. But shake <laughs> his hand and tell him he's doing a good job and keep it up the good work. I'm sorry, that's a pretty boring answer. Yeah, no doubt, man. <laughs> Are you saying no doubt to my me saying it's a boring answer? Yeah, it was right. a, it was a terrible answer, right. I thought. Yeah, it was a terrible answer. <laughs> Put me on the spot. <laughs> How about you? Well, well if I saw Choate... Um... I would shake his hand first, yeah, for sure. But I'd say, you know, I'd I'd probably give him some affirmation. I believe in him. I believe in Choate. I believe in the culture he's doing, uh, cultivating. I think he, I would tell him, what would I tell him? That's a really good question. question. (laughs) If you have a good answer for that, uh, get at us. What would you tell Choate if you could look at him face-to-face right now? Um, maybe have a beer with him. What would you talk about? So if you give us some responses that we might talk about that on our next cat cast, how about that? Perfect. All right, buddy. Well, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun and we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. right, Take care. See you.